When we've really had the gospel message sink into us, it gives us an opportunity to respond with gratitude, bringing all that we are, our gifting, our talent, our experience, all of that to the altar as our meaningful form of worship. Not because God needs us and bandwidth to be successful for his glory. He doesn't. This is a God who took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000. So he doesn't actually need me to financially underwrite this big banquet. God can take something out of nothing, but he allows us to be able to participate in his work. And if we lean into that identity as being his beloved child, that he doesn't, he doesn't need our financial success, but allows us to participate, we have this sense of joy and gratitude that characterizes our work. Are you a follower of Jesus that feels called to expand the kingdom of God through building and growing successful businesses? If that's you, then welcome to the Kingdom Capitalist Show that interviews amazing Christians using their business and money-making abilities to expand God's kingdom all over the globe. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, and welcome to the show. Kingdom Capitalist community, I have a special episode for you today. This is exclusive content from the Kingdom Capitalist Summit with Henry Kesner. Um, an incredible CEO and kingdom-minded investor. And uh, I wanted to make sure you got access to this. Uh, we talk about incredible topics like what does it really look like to be a passionate follower of Christ in the marketplace, uh, to be a kingdom-driven, a faith-driven entrepreneur. And so uh, this episode I'm so excited to share. I've been looking forward to having Henry on our show for a very long time. And so get ready for an incredible, incredible episode. And also let me remind you, if you uh, were not at the Kingdom Capitalist Summit, uh, well, first you missed an incredible two days, and I think all of our community will tell you that, uh, but you can still go and get those recordings for literally dollars. Um, For the cost of a book, you can go and get hours of Um, high-level, world-class training on how to grow your business, how to form a kingdom mindset, but how to become a better investor. Um, All you have to do is go to kcsummit2020.com. That's kcsummit2020.com and grab those recordings. Uh, I'm telling you, you will not regret this. Uh, It was an incredible two days, and now you can watch all of those Uh, all of those keynotes on demand. So make sure you go grab those. Anyways, enjoy this episode. Uh, It's going to be an incredible one. Welcome everybody to the Kingdom Capitalist Summit. This is going to be a little bit different than recording a typical podcast. I got Henry here live and we're going to be doing an interview um, style segment. Uh, This is going to be partly used for uh, the summit we have coming up and then also the podcast show. And I'm so, so looking forward to, uh, to having him on here. And, and one of the reasons is, is um, I'm sure like many of you, as I know I've talked, um, and you know my story as a, as a former missionary and pastor, um, I always felt that God had called me to, to build, create, um, to be entrepreneurial. But I really thought for so long the only outlet for that was to go into missions or to be a pastor. Um, because I didn't have a framework, I didn't have mentors, I didn't have heroes who were in the marketplace and who were really living out their faith and being open about that. And it has been so, so encouraging to find a brother like Henry um, and his platforms he's building that he's going to talk about today uh, and just just to find like-minded people who really see the marketplace as a place for redemption 
uh, and the gospel to really go forward powerfully in this generation. So uh, I hope that was a great intro. I'm so, so excited to introduce to you my friend, Henry Kessner. Welcome, brother. Thank you, Ellis. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, look, man, I want to get into it, um, this topic of, of uh, faith-driven entrepreneurship or, or Christ-following entrepreneurship. I've heard you refer to it multiple times. Um, and then we can kind of go back, if um, folks are watching this at the summit, they can go back to the podcast show and kind of hear the rest of your story, if that's okay. Um, but man, you know, I, I also, because we're together, uh, and this we typically do this on the podcast side of things, I'd love just to pause and, and pray real quick. And to ask God to really bless his time, if that's okay. Please. Father in heaven, we are so, so grateful for uh, just this time together, and, and more importantly, for the cross of Christ that has redeemed us and given us freedom in, uh, to, really, um, to really work and uh, to pursue entrepreneurship and to build and to create and to be a part of, of building your kingdom here on earth. And uh, thanks for Henry and just the path that he's paved for me and for so many others. And I pray that this time might just be incredibly uplifting, encouraging uh, to those who are listening uh, to build, to create, and to be obedient to you. That's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, man. So here's let's just get into this topic of this. Okay. Um, well, let me ask you this. Why don't you make a quick introduction? That way people know a little bit about you, um, kind of, you know, Give them, give them the two-minute uh, version of your story. And like I said, they want to know more. They can listen to the podcast show afterwards. Uh, so who am I? Uh, so um, my name is Henry Kastner. I am a faith-driven entrepreneur. I'm a beloved child of the Most High King. I am a guy that uh, uh, really enjoys innovating and creating and forming things uh, under God's power, hopefully to advance his kingdom. Not because he needs me to, but because he gives me a great opportunity to because he loves me. And I've had a great uh, blessing of uh, being involved in a number of different entrepreneurial projects over the years. I've had the great blessing of having some phenomenal partners over the years. And I care about all things uh, that are faith-related. But then specifically, I care about things that, uh, that involve faith-driven entrepreneurs uh, and faith-driven investors are the two places that I camp out on the most. We brought on board a guy who's a partner of mine in faith-driven media, and we just launched faith-driven athlete. I was uh, an mm. average faith-driven athlete, um, but I really feel that God's called me and given me more of a gifting on entrepreneurship and investing. So that's where I spend most of my time. I live in Northern California with my wife, Kimberly, and our three teenage boys, um, and it's awesome to be with you. Yeah, man. I, well, for our listeners who haven't heard of faith-driven entrepreneurship, faith-driven investor, that is a, a website that you can go check out, a podcast, um, and, and Henry's really leading the charge there. So, Henry, let me ask you this, man. Um, why do you put so much energy towards helping entrepreneurs? Why, why this movement of faith-driven entrepreneur? Uh, so that's a great question. Maybe I'll, I'll just I'll put it in a little bit of an historical context about how I kind of got here. Um, I came to faith at age 28, uh, sold a company I had and then started bandwidth with David Morkin. And we want to be really intentional about our cultural values of faith first, then family, then work, and then fitness and set out to start a company to do that. Um, and we went through, uh, just, a, just a, through the grace of God, an incredible process ups and downs and relying on him and, and making some small mistakes and fortunately having some, some, uh, success along the way. And, and we came to understand 
that uh, God was using us. Uh, God was using this experience that we had to draw us closer to him. He was also using this experience to allow us to be a witness and a testimony to others, to be able to love on our partners and our vendors and our customers and our employees in a way that pointed to our faith and pointed to this God who love, loves us and loves them. And um, as we uh, came to really believe that we might have a cultural impact as we shared our faith with Google execs on ski lifts and we hired chaplains for our employees and things like that, uh, we believe that there are others, of course, that might uh, have the same opportunity. And a good number of them really leaned into it. And yet some other ones uh, felt some of the pressures that we felt from time to time, which is to repress our faith and really to buy into uh, an artificial, secular, spiritual divide. So the thought was, what does it look like for us to come alongside these entrepreneurs and to encourage them, encourage them in the, uh, the uh, cultural, uh, culturally appropriate uh, witness to their faith and allow them to lean into what does it look like to be a faith to an entrepreneur. So the first iteration was, um, let's set up an investment fund, knowing that uh, capital is a great way to have real skin in the game, to be strapped in the mass, maybe too many metaphors for one sentence, but to be really in partnership with entrepreneurs and to then encourage them in their walk with the Lord. So we started Sovereign's Capital about eight years ago uh, with a couple of partners and uh, we've now raised three funds, made investments in more than 45 companies in Southeast Asia and America, and really enjoyed uh, the process of, of working with some of the, the really the best faith-driven entrepreneurs in the world, Anthony Tanik, Rab, with millions of drivers in Southeast Asia, and Mark Sears in Cloud Factory, and just a great list. And then um, as Sovereign's Capital became uh, more and more successful through God's grace, we realized that we were saying no to more entrepreneurs than we would otherwise want. This it was the wrong industry or stage or geography for the fund. So, uh, but these are great men and women of faith. So we started a ministry called Faith Driven Entrepreneur uh, to be able, uh, we hope to encourage them just like what you're doing, Ellis. Um, and we try to do that through a blog and a podcast and a newsletter. And, um, and that's, uh, that's brought me to, to, uh, to hear along the way, of course, you get validation. You always want to see Am I in line uh, with the plans for my life with what God would have me do, what he laid out in advance for me, for me to do? And along the way, as we spent more and more time working with faith-driven entrepreneurs, really got a lot of validation. And, and maybe it's just selfish too, just really experienced God's joy as we did it. And so we just continue to double down on that, and, and that's brought us to today. Yeah, I love that. Um, let me ask you this, because we throw this word around a lot, faith-driven or kingdom-minded, or kingdom-driven. I found myself typing that a lot, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. What does that really mean then, Henry, or how have you developed that out? Because, I mean, even for your sovereign fund, I think about it, you had to have some type of criteria for faith-driven, right? So I guess maybe that's a two-part question. What did that look like for you then? And then maybe for our listeners or our, our attendees at the summit, what does that mean to be faith-driven? So that's a great question. So um, we are all, of course, every human being is driven by their faith, their faith in something. They may believe in the American dream of buying a house. They may believe in um, achievement in business. They, everybody has a faith system. Tim Keller does a great job in talking about that through Counterfeit Guides and some of his other books. Uh, in my case, of course, I have this faith in a God that loves me and sent his son to die for me. And I try to be driven out of a gratitude for the gift that's given me. And um, when, 
we invest in faith-driven entrepreneurs at Sovereigns or we try to minister to them, I think that the common thread is that they all understand that they have an opportunity to honor God in the workplace and that their faith uh, is the most important thing to them or uh, maybe more appropriately should be the most important thing to them. I think that every faith-driven entrepreneur is in some level of tension uh, along the way about is really God at the center of my life? Is it the thing that really drives me or is the thing that really drives me approval of my peers or beating my competitors or making money? And yet the common link between all faith-driven entrepreneurs, people that are key into kingdom capitalists, people that are key into faith-driven entrepreneur are that we aspire to be able to honor God and be used by him as he brings about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We understand that that's our highest and best use. Lots of us don't know how to do that. Well, don't even really know what that means. How does that mean? How does that impact the way that I raise money or I hire people or I, how I think about innovating or customer acquisition or distribution channels or all those things. And yet we know that there's an opportunity to honor God and each of us are at different places on our journey and how we process that. And yet we're all drawn together because we want to, uh, we want to hear from others and, and understand the value of community and fellowship and spurring each other on to good gifts with our gifts to good things. Um, and so that's what it means. We, um, it, we won't invest in a company uh, at Sovereign's Capital unless they aspire to that. And yet every single one of the companies we've invested in, every one of the entrepreneurs, because we really do invest in entrepreneurs rather than companies, but every one of the entrepreneurs, uh, are in different places. Some of them have been very, very clear with all of their employees from the get-go. They've got chaplaincy involved and they really uh, have thought through a spiritual integration plan. And others come to us and say, listen, I want to honor God with my business, but I don't, I don't even know exactly how to do it. I know they want to do it. I'm earnest to do it. But you know, they're probably a good number of my employees don't even know I'm a Christian yet. And yet uh, we sense in them a real desire to come along and, and to, for us to work with them as they, as they explore all of that. So that's the common link. We all yeah. know that there's a guy who loves us. We want to honor him with our work. We're all at different places and doing it though. Man, I think you said something that really struck a chord with me. And I want to, I want to go, I want to pull that chord a little bit. Um, <laughs> Cause if it hits me, I'm sure it's going to hit others. Most people who listen to your stuff, faith driven entrepreneur, most people who are here, the kingdom capitalist summit are here because they're ambitious they love, or they love God, and that they're ambitious. They they want to grow. They're they're looking to grow to build. It's who God's made them. And you said that there's always a tension that exists between I want to honor God, <laughs> you know, like, um, but am I really doing this for the right reason? You know, am I is when is it, am, am I being selfish here? Um, I think that is such a good. I mean, that I guess that's coming from someone who is really. Uh, <laughs> been around a lot of faith-driven entrepreneurs in his lifetime. And so uh, I guess that's what I want to continue to ask you about because my next question is what really keeps us from living out? I mean, think about you, and I've heard you write about this, Henry, is we have the greatest gift imaginable. We have the greatest power that we have access to in Christ and in the gospel and Christ and his resurrected power. Is it that tension that really keeps us from fully living into that or let's talk more about that tension. Is that a good thing and right thing that'll never go away? Or is that a tension that um, sometimes really inhibits us from really living out fully our calling as a Christ-driven entrepreneur? Well, we've got lots of conflict and there's lots of tension in our lives. You know, there's the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. There's the approval of peers and 
wanting to see our companies on the cover of New York Times. It's a it's a difficult thing with our with where we are because uh, when we have success, our pastors or our parents will call us up and say how proud they are of us and what we're doing, and that just seeps into who we are. You know, there are I, I oftentimes say it this way: um, a uh, a Christian entrepreneur uh, in aggregate, I think, is at a disadvantage. Uh, in their current application next to a secular entrepreneur. Uh, I think that uh, that there's a real challenge because a secular entrepreneur, and you hear this in Simon Sinek's work, right? A, a secular entrepreneur can be very, very clear about why they do what they do. You know, John Mackey from Whole Foods can talk about wanting to redeem the wholesale food chain and and supply chains all around the world. And and um, and, and people can grasp, uh, grasp that. But the tension we have, uh, the average Christian entrepreneur has, uh, that I think we can work through, to be clear. There's a good ending to this. And I do think that Christ-following entrepreneurs do have many advantages and they, uh, that a Christ-following entrepreneur that's really leaned into their faith uh, can outperform, not at the expense of biblical values, but because of them. But uh, many Christian entrepreneurs start on the other side of that, and, and they start off at a disadvantage to their secular counterparts because of this tension you talk about. And it's um, feeling in conflict between uh, the ambition to have a great company and to grow it and wondering if that's the right ambition or not. Uh, they are in conflict because um, to the extent that they understand that they're Christian, a lot of times they'll be just like I used to be. You know, I had the Bible verse from Luke printed out, to whom much is given, much is expected. And the, the part of that story, if you look into it, is that if you don't deliver, you're going to be beaten with many blows. I operated in the beginning part of being a Christian entrepreneur as if I had to earn my own salvation. That's messed up. And that'll really cause a tremendous amount of stress and pressure for an average Christian entrepreneur that a guy like a John Mackey, I don't know where John Mackey is in his faith journey, but take the average secular entrepreneur, they don't have to deal with that tension. They don't have that type of discord. They don't have that dissonance. And our employees pick up on that. When we're in conflict about um, where our uh, values are, um, uh, that can be a challenge. So the real, the, 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 the challenge, the opportunity for us as a faith-driven entrepreneur, as a kingdom capitalist, is as follows, is to spend time in God's word and in prayer reflecting on the fact that God so loves us that he gave us his son. And that when he looks at us, he doesn't see the hotshot entrepreneur. He sees his beloved son. He sees, um, he sees, uh, he sees his son, Jesus. And I think that that's, that's really, really important for us. And then when we really have the gospel message sink into us, it gives us an opportunity to respond with gratitude, bringing all that we are, our gifting, our talent, our experience, all of that to the altar as our meaningful form of worship. Not because God needs us and bandwidth to be successful for his glory. He doesn't. This is a God who took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000. So he doesn't actually need me to financially underwrite this big banquet. God can take something out of nothing, but he allows us to be able to participate in his work. And if we lean into that identity as being his beloved child, that he doesn't, he doesn't need our financial success, but allows us to participate, we have this sense of joy and gratitude that characterizes our work that is then very attractive to the employees that we're hiring and that we want to retain yeah. and the customers we want to do the same to. And that's the only way I can see through this tension you talk about, which is really to dive deep into our faith and really our identity. And then well, we got a we got a great future. 
Well, you know, that's really, I'm interested though, because you said that might not exist for the secular entrepreneur. And I would say, but doesn't it though, because in both of those circumstances, if the faith-driven entrepreneur is not secure in his identity, that he's saved by grace or she's saved by grace, then he or she is still looking to a future outcome to determine that identity, which is this, the same reality for the secular entrepreneur, right? We're oh, still yeah. being driven by a future outcome. Well, well, of course, you know, the, the, the promises that are available for us are available for the secular entrepreneur as well. The secular entrepreneur, the average secular entrepreneur doesn't have maybe as much conflict um, uh, uh, and they may not have as much tension on what they do. They may be unapologetically focused on mm. the financial bottom line and things become very clear to them. My success is measured by a view of business that exists for the shareholders and we're going to deliver as much shareholder return as we possibly can. And that's what I'm singularly focused on. Sometimes the singular focus is really, really helpful for business. Uh, for a Christ follower that has a is struggling with who they are and how to exhibit their faith in the business, things are more complex. But yes, the, the same promise is available for a Christian entrepreneur is available for the secular entrepreneur. No, that's, that's really good. I, um, that sing, it's funny you talk about that singular focus for the secular where the, the faith-driven entrepreneur is, I guess, a little more dual, right? Because you, you do have to sometimes take care of the shareholders or the investors in your case or my case. Um, and yet we're living for a much bigger purpose, which is Christ and his kingdom as well. Um, is there anything else you wanted to comment? On that before I yeah. ask you something else? Well, it's, it's you know, it's the famous passage, you know, it's, you know, aim first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. So um, uh, if we come into this saying, well, I've got to balance, and he does this in the context of people trying to find safety and security through their clothing or their shelter or food or, or sustenance and things like this. And he says, don't worry about these things. Aim for the first for the kingdom of God. So um, it, it, it you know, pragmatic wisdom will tell you that is that is when you add multiple bottom lines to an equation, each one will come at the expense of the former. Uh, but I don't think that that's the way that God's economy works. It's uh, we worship a God of abundance, not a scarcity. So as you add more things into the mix, as long as they're a part of God's plan and the way that He created the world and the way that He's bringing about His kingdom on earth as is in heaven, all those things actually become additive and makes each and each of the other ones more attainable. So when you focus on God and focus on honoring God, yes, you actually do take better care of your customers than you otherwise would have. You take better care of your employees than you otherwise would have. If you just focus on loving on your employees, and that's the number one thing, we just love on our people, you won't achieve your mission. It has to be, how do I know and honor God and experience God's joy through my business? And then the financial bottom line gets taken care of. So you're taking care of your shareholders and your customers, your vendors, and all those other things. And uh, yeah, that's the other thing I'd want to say about that. I think that most entrepreneurs miss that. They think that if I focus on multiple different things, I just am too confused and I don't even know what to do. And so therefore, I'm just going to focus on my financial bottom line. And as a Christian, gosh, if I have a chance to leave some breadcrumbs and saying that I you know, teach Sunday school, I'll do that, right? If I get a chance uh, maybe to uh, give more of my money away to some of the ministries I care about, maybe that's what God would have me. But I think that they're living their business lives in black and white when they could be living it in technicolor, mm -hmm. when they see it as more part of God's plan and are a little bit more holistic in it. And I think that that starts with, I think that starts with identity. I also think 
that it comes from a foundation of believing that they're instruments of what God is doing in the world. I think that an entrepreneur is as good of a pure play on, on bringing about God's kingdom as anything else. God works six out of seven days. He was an innovator. He was an, he was an entrepreneur and he was a creator. He then uh, created us in his image and he gave us the creation mandate. Um, so if we really lean into that and just like, gosh, you know, how am I in telecom? Am I a part about bringing about God's kingdom on earth? Is this in heaven? Does this have anything to do with all with the garden? And the answer is, I think, yes. If you're working in a business that isn't bringing order out of chaos, you're probably working in the wrong business. Um, and I think that we all need to lean into this holy ambition. And, uh, and it's only then, again, that I think we can really achieve all those other things. We just focus on financial bottom line. I don't think you can have a successful business if that's all you focus on. <laughs> Henry, I love it, man. I, you're passionate about this topic, and it gets me so juiced. And I know uh, I'm so glad we're going to have this recorded because that's – about 10 minutes that I want to go back and listen to over and over again. Um, and I think many will, will want to do the same. As a entrepreneur myself, what about for those right now, what, what would you say to those who, this idea of faith-driven entrepreneurship or just being faith-driven or you're just wanting to honor God is there, they're aspiring to that, but really like they just have a vision to build a big business or that they want to be really, they want to build something successful that has impact on the world. Um, that really changes people's life. They, they want to have a unicorn, right? Like they want to build a unicorn. What would, what, what advice, what, what words would you give to, to someone like that? Who, who is a Christian? They, but yet maybe the bigger vision or goal or, or even desire is they're passionate about building businesses. Um, what would you say to them? I would say, you know, my life, uh, before I became a believer at 28, I worked on Wall Street for six years. And my whole life was about the pursuit of happiness. And I thought that I'd achieve happiness through financial success by dating lots of girls and trying to effectively live life through the movie Wall Street. My first hero was Bud Fox, played by Charlie Sheen. And that's when you know your life is headed in the wrong direction, when Charlie Sheen's your first role model. <laughs> And I think that um, I think that for somebody who says, "Gosh, I just really got this burning desire to create a unicorn," I think that um, I I think that it's really important for them to spend time with their accountability partners to be able to really understand is that what they really want, and is that going to deliver joy and happiness the way that they expect and hope that it will. And this sounds preachy and overly theological and, and overly reformed. But I really do believe that the chief end of man is to know God and enjoy him forever. And in my early 20s, when I was working on Wall Street, I was pursuing fame and fortune and all those different types of things because I was pursuing, I was trying to get happiness or a more mature way of happiness, really, of thinking about happiness is joy. And I really only think uh, that, and to be clear, there's a selfish ambition in all of the things I do now. I want to experience God's joy. Because I've found through having searched for joy in everything else, the only thing that gives it to me is when I feel like I'm in, God, in line with God's plan. And so I would go to the person who says they think they want to be a unicorn and just really, really, really make sure that they feel that that is born out of something that is uh, breathed by God. That is something they've prayed about, they've fasted about, they've sought accountability on, they've um, seen that uh, uh, repeatedly pointed out to them in scripture and that um, that's the right place. 
Um, this makes me think slightly off topic, but consistent somewhat too, is that I think about all the Christians that precede us, godly men that preceded us in the Bible that we can look at lessons for, you know, about the good Kings and the bad Kings of Judah. And, um, uh, we all know about the bad kings, right? It's easy. If you're listening to Kingdom Capitalist podcast, you're at Kingdom Capitalist Summit, you know that you do not want to be one of the bad kings of Judah. But it's fascinating to look at the good kings of Judah. The good kings of Judah, every single one of them messed up somewhere along the line. You know, it's Asa and Jehoshaphat and all these guys. One of them uh, didn't see God's wisdom and pursued things on his own ambition with the trade deal and things didn't go well for him. Another one was a military deal. There, the world is littered with the dead bodies in scripture and outside of scripture of people who had a massive ambition that still gave credit to God, still knew God, but somewhere along the way, their ambition got in front of them. They didn't seek God in major decisions. They didn't humble themselves before him. They didn't seek accountability from others. And then they went off the, tra- the rails a little bit. And, um, uh, so whenever anybody says, oh, gosh, I just really want to be this, you know, I want to be a, I want to be a billionaire. I really want to run this big business. Um, I really think that it's, it's important for them to revisit why it is that they want to do that. I'd much rather invest in somebody that says, I am completely motivated to solve a major problem that I see in this industry. I think it needs to be redeemed. And uh, it is my burning passion. And uh, in my prayer time, in my time with my uh, accountability group, this keeps on coming up. People have affirmed this in me. They see this as an opportunity that I should pursue. I prayed about it and I fasted about it. And I want to go and I want to redeem this industry. And I'm fa- passionate about doing that because I feel this is part of how God might use me. Those are the types of people who may become unicorns. They may be. But you want to become a unicorn, I, think, I, don't, I don't think that happens. That's... Thank you for that. Um, that co- that is really helpful for me, and I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Because what I, I guess I just can't stand the thing that maybe helped me start Kingdom Capitalist is because I felt like ambition was being crushed by all of the Christian teachers that I was listening to. And I knew that that wasn't right. And what you just said there really resonated with me, and I think it will resonate with so many, is that the it's it's where is ambition targeted at? And it's not necessarily becoming a billionaire or a millionaire or whatever it is. I love what you said. Is your heart around solving a problem or bring order out of chaos? Um, that's a really helpful framework uh, that I want to keep sharing. And as you do it, do you feel God's pleasure? You know, Chariots of Fire. So we yeah. talked about Wall Street on this podcast. Now we're talking about Chariots of Fire, all these 80s movies. But, you know, when you when you get out there and try to solve this problem, redeem this industry that you've been called into, do you get a sense that God is pleased with you? Do you feel that? And when you do that, now you know you're in the right place. Now, it does not mean that an entrepreneurial journey is easy. But I got to tell you that um, – uh, in entrepreneur's journey, the times where I've had dissatisfaction in my entrepreneur's journey, uh, and I, there have been lots of times, it can be very, very challenging at times, to be clear. But more often than not, those times that have been difficult have been self-inflicted wounds. They've been times that have characterized by seasons of willfulness rather than seasons of faithfulness. And it's times like, for instance, when we try to raise money at, at Bandwidth, semi-famously went over 40 venture raises back in the day. 
And it was just this long, hard slog. And I'd like to tell you that, um, well, I will tell you, we'd pray before we walk into these meetings with these big Silicon Valley venture capitalists that we'd walk out with a $20 million term sheet. So we'd pray. We were Christians. But you know what? We weren't praying about whether we should be raising money to begin with. And through the grace of God, we didn't raise money. If we had, we never would have gone public. We never would have done had any of the success because we would have made all these mistakes. But with other people's money, it would have ended really poorly. So God saved us from ourselves. But we were being willful during that time. And it's kind of like in scripture. And this is one of the things, a reflection that as Dave and I looked at the first 20 years of bandwidth, there are seasons in which we were being willful. We were not finding satisfaction and feeling God's pleasure in our jobs. But it's times when we're trying to do things under our own power. And it's just like in the Bible, Saul is supposed to wait on Samuel before he goes off in the war, and he didn't. You can be, you can be faithful in action. Gideon um, uh, was faithful. You can be, as an entrepreneur, you can be willful in your passivity. You can be willful in not doing anything. Like David, all the kings are going off the war. He stayed behind. Things went really, really poorly for him. But it's, just, it, it's this tension if, as an entrepreneur. It's just like, it, it might, is this season right now? Am I being willful or am I being faithful? And how do I know? How am I seeking God in the decisions I'm making right now? And who are the guys around me that can help me to understand what God might be doing through me? I tell you, as an entrepreneur, an entrepreneurial journey is extremely lonely. God did not design us to be alone. We have got to do this either with partners, and I've been blessed with amazing partners, or an accountability group, something like the C12, FCCI, CBMC, uh, Truth at Work, that you know, a bunch of different groups can help you to do this. Um, yeah, yeah excellent, there. excellent. Uh, last question uh, while we're here at the summit. Um, we're in a unique time. One of probably the most, we'll look back and will be most one of the most memorable <laughs> years in world history with COVID-19, coronavirus. Um, just, I guess I'd love to hear your thoughts as a leader, as a man of God, someone who's who's been through recessions and been through world events. As, as it pertains to being a faith-driven entrepreneur, um, how do we respond? How should we be responding in a time like this? Uh, just some final thoughts from you um, in light of just where we are currently. Yeah, great question. So I think that... Um, Here's a framework. It's not, it probably is not the framework, but is a framework. I think that we are called to lament. I think we are called to pray. Um, uh, there is mourning and suffering all around us. And uh, this, is a, this is a very difficult time. People are either dying of the disease or people are dying of the cure from the disease. Uh, there's going to be real economic ramifications. are going to really exacerbate, I think, a class divide. And I think we need to lament that. And I think that that needs to break our heart. And I think that it's, you know, figuratively and kind of like sackcloth and ashes. This is a time for us to just to mourn the fact that there uh, are people around us that are suffering. Okay, so number one. Mm. Um, number two, um, I think that as an entrepreneur, this is an opportunity that we, this is a time that we need to make sure we preserve our ability to persist. That we need to make the right decisions that will allow us to continue to achieve our mission. We're gonna take a step back, but we're gonna focus nonetheless on uh, preserving our ability to persist. This has happened to, us, uh, happened to us twice at Bandwidth, 2001 and the telecom meltdown, and then 2008 and the financial crisis. In both cases, we wanna make sure we preserved our ability to persist 
as we stayed focused on the mission. But then, and this is super important, this is the hopeful part. This is incredible opportunity, unbelievable opportunity to be able to do uh, incredible things in our business. And, uh, and from a bandwidth perspective, 2001 launched us early and then 2008 just really accelerated us to where bandwidth and Republic Wireless are now. Uh, no doubt about it. Our ability to, instead of just being on our toes and just kind of in reaction mode, but instead to lean into it and say, okay, what is the market giving us? How do we innovate? How do we create? Um, this, uh, we came out of each of those times with better products and services where the rest of our, uh, rest of our competition, I think was just standing still. Uh, that's a key, that's a key thing. Um, uh, the other thing is, is Christ followers, we have to look back at history and understand that we have an opportunity to be participants in, um, in this historical trend of Christ followers, like really delivering and really excelling in times of crisis. It happened in the early church, Rodney Stark writes about it in his book, the, the Rise of Christianity, where the Christ followers would take care of the poor through plagues and things like that. You know, the Emperor Julian, famous for saying, writing his friend saying, these Christians, they take care of their poor and ours as well. Uh, what Martin Luther writes about in the bubonic plague, how Charles Spurgeon led the church in London at age 20 years old through the cholera uh, outbreak. What an amazing time for us to love our neighbors in a way, in a way where revival, true revival might happen. So I've got a hopeful expectancy for entrepreneurs who are natural born leaders to lead their communities and love again, their partners, vendors, customers, and employees exceptionally well during this time. You have an outsized opportunity to do that, to be able to be in dialogue with your customers, not to sell them a product, but just to hear how they're doing. They're going to lay their, yeah. their, their lives bare to you and talk about stresses. And for your ability to be able to, to pray for them is going to give you opportunities to witness and with gentleness and respect that will eclipse all that you had last year. Don't lose those opportunities. You have an opportunity, as I said before, to create and to innovate and to come out of this thing stronger than ever. Uh, don't miss that opportunity. So I have a very hopeful expectancy that I hope is shared by people who are listening to this about what the body of Christ looks like coming out of this. And um, it's just, it's a special time. We got to lean into it. So, so good, uh, man. If you're not taking notes, uh, you should have been, but thankfully you'll have access to all of these recordings at the summit. Um, Henry, thanks for it for this time, man. If you're um, uh, for everyone who's listening, who's, who's watching this at live at the summit, uh, go to the Facebook page right now and just say what was your biggest takeaway from this uh, how are you responding and in, in, you know in light of this unique time what does it look like for you as a christ following entrepreneur a faith-driven entrepreneur maybe talk about your biggest struggle um as a faith-driven entrepreneur and let's chat about that in the facebook group so go do that let's keep this community alive we got a ton of more content coming for you henry i know we're going to keep chatting um, but this is going to be it for the summit. So you can you can say farewell to those who are watching you on the summit, and we'll say hello to our to our podcast guest. Farewell to people. I'll say, Ellis, you've got the spiritual <laughs> gift of encouragement. So thank you for being so affirming. It's been great being with everybody at the summit and sharing a bit about what God's done. And thanks for affording me the opportunity. Yeah, man, absolutely. If you've been listening, we've had Henry on for the Kingdom Capitalist Summit. Um, if you missed that, I believe we still have access uh, to all of the recordings for the summit. And uh, we've had incredible, incredible lineup of speakers talking about this idea of being faith-driven in the marketplace. And uh, 
And so definitely if you, if you weren't there and you want to get access to those recordings, um, the link to that will be in the show notes for this podcast because I don't know what it is yet. And uh, so I want to ask Henry a couple more questions, though. And a lot of this gets into investing because I'm an investor. A lot of our audience is real estate investors. You know, an incredible managing principle yeah. of sovereigns. And so you, um, real quick, tell us the mission of sovereigns just so we're familiar with that. And then I got a couple questions for as an investor um, and really helping other investors. But tell us again the, the missions of sovereigns. The mission of Sovereigns is to invest in the very best faith-driven entrepreneurs in Southeast Asia and the United States. Uh, we invest in venture capital opportunities, fast-growing companies, and then also lower to middle market opportunities. We've got uh, two different teams that do each of those. Um, it, but it's out of this sense and this belief that that transformation happens in a marketplace. And it happens when we get an opportunity to uh, deliver with excellence and to love on our partners, our vendors, our customers, and our employees in a way that points to God. Hmm. So you're uniquely investing in faith-driven folks. I guess my question for you is, as investors, most people, that's not part of their criteria, is uh, what they're doing has to kind of have that faith-driven component to it. So um, I guess for the maybe for those who don't have a large fund like you, but for those who are individual investors and looking at ways and places to place their capital, let's. Just, I'm just really curious, man. I'll be honest. Up until probably the past year, I never really thought about the criteria of faith or faith-driven being part of my investment portfolio. And mm. so would love just to get your take as an investor on should that be? Should, should, should the idea of who we're investing in and what we're investing in, should that be a make or break for what we invest in? That's a great question. And I think uh, uh, it's a slightly complicated answer. Um, so uh, I have a bias and a view, of course, and I believe that, um, that we do have an opportunity as a Christ follower to be just as intentional with our investment assets as we do with our giving assets. To the extent that we understand that God owns it all, uh, he owns our lives. He owns our families. He owns our business. He owns our, our, our financial resources. How we invest those uh, investment dollars, I think, is, I think is super important. Um, uh, and yes, we at Sovereign's Capital uh, love being able to put money behind some of the very best faith-driven entrepreneurs that will bear witness to his love for them in the marketplace in a winsome way and provide excellent financial returns. And we're grateful that, that, uh, that, uh, you know, our oldest fund that's been around the longest uh, fund one has got a better than 18% uh, return to our limited partners. So better than an 18% net IRR, which puts us at the top quartile of all funds. And so I think that you can invest in ways that advance God's kingdom and do well for yourself financially. But, um, but the other thing is, I, I think it's also important for us to never prescribe or presume how somebody invests their assets. Uh, and where they do. I wouldn't suggest for a second that Sovereign's Capital is a good opportunity for a lot of people. It's actually a lousy opportunity for a lot of people. We have a 12-year fund, so it's about as illiquid as it gets. We've got an embarrassingly high minimum. That doesn't make sense. And I wouldn't even go so far to say that you have to invest in Christian venture capital from another fund or any other fund. But I think, though, I can say something that is universal, and that is that, that we as Christ followers should be driven by our faith as we make investment decisions. And that means getting down on our knees and asking God how we would 
allocate his investment assets. And I should never presume how God would answer that question for people. But I do think that it's important to go through that process. And I think that God might answer that for some people by encouraging them to invest in solar farms in the Nevada desert. Uh, That's not something that Sovereign's Capital would do, but I could see somebody really feeling compelled to be able to be involved in creation care and feeling that that's where God is leading them. God may call them to lead, uh, to invest in secular uh, companies uh, because they have an opportunity to have influence and be able to come alongside those leaders. They could do that with their institutional investing. They can do that with their angel investing. Uh, We can invest in real estate. We can invest in in public equities and public debt and hedge funds and a whole bunch of different things all driven by their faith um, uh, and all having different parts of uh, inclusion. You have some people who uh, get down on their knees and feel like they, they absolutely do not want to invest in companies that have uh, pornography or gambling as a part of them. And yet other ones might get down on their knees and feel that, again, that they have an opportunity to invest in some of those companies because they can come alongside and use their influence in shareholder meetings to be able to encourage those leaders to be more redemptive. Um, so I don't think there are any absolutes about what we should do other than to say that with all of our lives, we should endeavor to seek God's wisdom and God's plan for everything we do and investments are absolutely part of them. Mm. That's excellent. As a investor, or let's, uh, this is for the real estate crowd. Actually, it's not just for the real estate crowd, but we're talking about real estate here or capital this is more of a capital question, so I guess this could apply to anybody. You went out and raised several funds. You said three funds, helping provide capital for faith-driven investors. I guess I'm just curious um, because we, you know, we have our own fund that invests in, in specific towards real estate. This is more of a, as as an early as a young entrepreneur learning where capital sources like that are, or how do you go if if people are listening to this show and they want to go find. Um, access to more capital, rather that be for deals or rather be for their business. They are faith-driven. Um, they have a component of that where, you know, um, I don't know, there's there's a, there's a bigger purpose to what they're doing. I guess my question is, wh- where do you look for that? Who do you talk to for that? Where, where do you go out and start raising capital for that? Um, so, yeah. So that's a, that's it's a kind of a question. loaded question, but I, well, you know, it's, it, funny. it's kind of I'll, more of a, it's a, it's a personal kind of selfish question that I think will help a lot of people because I don't know if I always know where to go find that type of capital. I don't know that I always know where to go to find that type of capital. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, when we started Sovereign's Capital uh, eight years ago, uh, through the grace of God, we'd already had some pretty significant success at bandwidth. I don't know. Bandwidth is probably, um, it's much, it was much, much smaller than it is today, but I mean, it's probably... Uh, just about a hundred million dollar business, and it was um, and it was doing really well, and and we had quite a name for ourselves, I think, in in, in North Carolina at least. And I thought, I mean, of course, people can understand that a Christian led business can can compete and win and do well. And gosh, we'll you know, probably go ahead and we'll raise a fund and we'll raise twenty million dollars and we'll do that in I don't know six months time. Well, two and a half years later, we had raised twelve point seven million dollars, and it was super hard. Uh, and it was hard, even though we had a great track record. I had uh, retired as CEO and moved over to just being executive chairman of Bandwidth at the time. So I was able to devote a lot of time to this. I had some great partners. And uh, it was very, very hard to go to uh, angel investors that we knew locally and say, hey, you know, you've seen some success in Bandwidth. We think that this is something that can happen um, 
uh, on other companies as well. And we're going to go ahead and invest in them. And it was very, very difficult. Um, we had a very low minimum investment of $100,000, which for a private equity fund is very, very small. Uh, we ended up bringing in 75 investors in fund one. Um, but we were said no to maybe 450 times. It's unbelievably difficult. Um, uh, you know, I think the market is much different now, eight years on, and that I think that some institutions are starting to take a look at faith-driven investing. People are running endowments of big Christian institutions and universities who wouldn't even consider this uh, eight years ago are now starting to look at this and seeing how faith-driven investing might be consistent with the missions of their organizations or they're starting to finally figure out that impact investing is a thing and they have an opportunity to be more intentional with what they invest in because their student body is asking for it or their trustees are asking for it. So I think that things are easier now and yet they're still hard. Uh, Christ followers, unfortunately, seem to be uh, laggards in major trends that are going on in culture and faith-driven investing is one of them. Impact investing, secular impact investing has been popularized now for the last 10 or 15 years, but bring faith into the equation. And that's been, that's been difficult. And part of the reason that's been difficult for those who are looking to raise funds is that the world is littered with the dead bodies of people who've lost money by investing in people they, they were talking to in the church parking lot. And people understand that and people have seen people who deliver services and have a fish on their van. And a lot of times that that tends to be a, a cover up for something that's not excellent. But I think that's changing. I'm very, very hopeful. Again, I think the institutional funders are getting it. I think the individual investors are getting it. I think you're finding more entrants in the market and some of them are having success. And I think that uh, there's room for people to be more thoughtful about this, but I think that it comes from the investor getting on their knees and praying about how God would have them allocate their money. That's where it starts. Henry, this has been an amazing episode. Uh, you've been an incredible guest. I, I want people to be able to continue to listen to you and hear your content and get access to all that you're doing. Um, please, please, please tell our listeners where they can go uh, to hear more of this conversation. Thanks for asking. Uh, well, the Sovereign's Capital, of course, has a website, sovereignscapital.com. Um, and, uh, but Faith Driven Entrepreneur uh, is a, a place where we uh, have... Um, a weekly podcast, having interviewed some really phenomenal faith-driven uh, uh, business owners over time, and then also some great pastors that have some unique content focused on the faith-driven entrepreneur, people like Tim Keller and Chip Ingram and, and others. Uh, and then Faith-Driven Investor is a new podcast that we've launched uh, where you get to hear the stories of some really neat uh, faith-driven investors, people from Andreessen Horowitz and Founders Fund that are serious about their faith and serious about um, having that manifest itself through their investment careers and what they do at Andreessen or, or founders is they invest in some really neat companies that are changing the face of the aeronautics industry or the software as a service or just fill in the blanks. Um, so thanks for asking. I wanted to tell them also about, um, cause this could be a great way for, we're going to get to meet in person and then a lot of our guests can meet in person. There's a conference coming up as long as uh, the travel ban is lifted. Uh, our, the, the, the COVID travel ban that is, um, in Dallas in September. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, we're super excited about a, uh, conference that we're having at Watermark church on fa- on September, September 23rd starts off with the faith driven investor conference for 24 hours. And then 
uh, we have on the uh, starting on the 24th is the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Conference, and we expect to have uh, seven or eight hundred people there. And Andy Crouch is going to be there, and Ron Blue, and Bob Dahl, and Trey Stevens, and uh, 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 just a really really neat group of faith driven entrepreneurs and faith driven investors talking about the way that God is using them uh, in their life. And would love to have you all there. Thank you for asking. Yeah, maybe Henry, there's a way we can talk offline to set something up for our community. You know, that way we can send something out and um, yeah. that way our community can come together. And uh, and I don't know what that looks like, but but where, where do we go to fi- to just, at least for right now, where can they go to learn more about that conference? So uh, you can go to faithdriveninentrepreneur.org or faithdriveninvestor.org. And you'll see um, okay. in the taglines there more information about awesome. the speakers and the facilities and all of that. Yeah. I will be there. So if you're listening, go grab your ticket. I would love to meet you in person. Make sure you shoot me an email at ellis at keenumcapitalist.co. Let me know you're coming. And um, I'd love to connect with anybody who plans to go there. Henry, thank you again, brother. I, I hope everybody listening has so enjoyed this as much as I have. If you If you are, all I would ask you to do, as soon as this is over, Go subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. And if you have done that already, take a screenshot of this episode, post it on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or wherever you have the most connections where people talk to you at, and just say, hey, I'm loving this show. If you're a faith-driven leader, go listen to this podcast. That helps us so, so much to share this message. Um, we need to be talking about this more, and I'm so thankful for guests like Henry who, who help us do that. So thanks, everybody, for your time. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.